Sorrow doesn't just pour out of a broken heart. Sorrow endures. C.S. Lewis in Grief Observed noticed that there is nothing we can do with suffering except to suffer it. We are all going to lose someone. We are all going to lose people we love. And the pain will be great. The pain will be so painful as if your very soul was sucked out of your body. You won't feel like you can eat. You're going to cry every tear. And you're just going to be numb. You're going to cry every tear until you feel just numb inside. And how are we as Christians to cope with grief? We can't ignore it. This is a sad world. We can't pretend that it is all unicorns and rainbows. Sorry, my little pony and televangelists. This is a sad world. It's a world filled with sorrow. We lost last week our dearly loved brother, Larry. We loved Larry. Our text this morning is a lament. It teaches us how to mourn. We need to know how to live with the sorrow because sorrow abides. And how do we endure the sorrow? How shall we mourn? That's the question I want to answer this morning as we observe David's grief, as we observe this lamentation. We can see in David's grief how we should mourn as Christians. So the question I want to answer this morning, how shall we mourn? When David first heard the news of the loss of Saul and Jonathan, the loss of his people, his heart broke and his anguish poured out. And we see that in verse 11 of chapter 1. Then David took hold of his clothes and he tore them. And so did all the men who were with him. And he mourned and he wept. He fasted. This was unplanned and instantaneous sadness. It was an informal sadness. His heart broke. And his anguish literally just poured out right then and there. It's the pain we feel when we hear the bad news. Our heart breaks. And our soul pours forth the pain. Grief is not a state. Grief is not a place. You cannot make a map of sorrow. Sorrow, says C.S. Lewis, turns out to be not a state, but a process. Sorrow is not merely a sad event, like the melancholy a good drama creates. No, the mourning of a loved one is a process. The love of mourning, the mourning of a loved one is a process that never ends. C.S. Lewis, through the words of a grieving husband, said, I quote, Did you ever know, dear? Did you ever know, dear, how much you took away with you when you left? 
You have stripped me even of my past, even of the things we never shared. You see, sorrow changes our past. Sorrow changes our present. It changes our future. We're made new by the pain, refashioned, if you will, by the hurt. And so how are we to deal with the grief? How do we mourn? We learn here in our text that mourning is a process. Mourning is a process. In the beginning, when David heard the pain, his grief poured out. But this grief in verse 17, or this grief in this lamentation is different. Verse 17, and David lamented with this lamentation. He lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son. Now, this grief is different. This grief is different from the previous grief. A lament is a formal expression of grief. Lamentations are written, read, learned, practiced, and repeated. Thus David's command in verse 18, he says, and he said, it should be taught to the people of Judah. He wanted this lament to be taught. The Hebrew is real strong. It says, teach, or it says, learn, learn and write this lamentation to the sons of Judah. He wanted this lamentation to be practiced. He wanted it to become a rite in the church. He wanted it preserved. He wanted it practiced. He wanted God's people to observe this lament. And the Psalms are likewise filled with laments. And we need to mourn with God's word. You see, as a Christian, we should learn, we should pray, we should read and pray God's word. We should cry out in pain with the words of the Holy Spirit who prays for us when our pain is inexpressible. And his words of lament bring comfort in the pain. How shall we mourn? We must mourn with God's word. Yes, our hearts will break out and pour forth anguish when we first hear the news. News, there will be informal grief. But as the process continues, we need to begin at some point in the grief to mourn with God's word. It can also be helpful to verbalize our own downheartedness. It can actually be very beneficial. It can be very beneficial for us to write our own laments. Many people journal. Journaling is a good practice. helps us cope with the grief. We can verbalize. We can reflect on the pain. So if you write, you feel your pain with reflective thoughts and emotions, just as David did here in our text. And you can follow the lament forms of the Bible. You can express your grief in words that convey your anguish. Use word pictures that show your despair. Pour out your pain on paper. Mourn with reflection. Mourn with God's word. Mourn with reflection. And mourn with discipline. You see, this lament was a set form. Like set prayers, Israel was to lament this lamentation. He commands God's people to preserve this, to practice this lamentation, this form, this rite. Now, is there a good and necessary consequence here in this text for us? Does this text imply that we too should practice set forms? Are there any other 
set forms in Scripture? Are there any form prayers in Scripture? Jesus said, when you pray, say, hallowed be thy name. We have set confessions. Paul says, great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, and so forth. You see, when the church of yesteryear wrote forms, she was being faithful to Scripture. And when we use those forms, and when we write our own, we are uniting ourselves with the ancient church. We're uniting ourselves with the medieval church, the Reformation church, the Holy Catholic church. We're uniting ourselves to Scripture. You see, we don't just believe the Bible. We practice. We practice the Bible. The argument against forms is sincerity. Forms, they say, are less sincere. But as you study this lament, you see that the lament is not less sorrowful than his previous expression of sorrow. David's lament is not less sorrowful than when he poured his heart out in pain and agony. The lament is a thoughtful and beautiful expression of his grief. And form prayers are thoughtful meditation and intercession. You see, set forms bring together the mind and the motions. And the church must pray extemporaneously. And she may pray with forms. It's called discipline. Set forms have given the church structured prayer. Set forms allow and keep uh, in our prayers orthodoxy. It allows our prayers to be coherent. It has been said that words are carefully selected, crafted, and honed to express our hearts and our needs. Set forms allow us to have reflective and collective prayer. And they are beautiful vehicles that lift our hearts to heaven. Mourn with the church. That's the point of this text. Mourn with the church, and mourn with the church's prayers. Mourn with the prayers of the church, and don't be afraid to mourn. We cannot be afraid to grieve. You see, in the modern church, the modern church seems to have no place for grief. You don't hear of grief in her songs, in the pulpits, as if there's no place for it. And I remember when I was an evangelical, and I remember seeing parents lose their loved ones, parents losing their little ones. And I would see them in church and putting on the happy face. And they were consoled. The church came around and consoled them. And, and I heard over and over again the refrain, they're in a better place now. True, but they're not here with me. They're not here with us. Here with me as a whole, here with me as a void. Yes, the Lord delights in the death of his saints, but we don't delight. We mourn. We mourn our brother Larry. He's not with us. Yes, a better place, wonderful, but he's not here. I don't get to see his smiling face anymore. He's gone. We mourn. And the greater the love, the greater the pain. Mourn death. 
Grieve over your lost loved ones. Sorrow is a part of love. If you love, you're going to sorrow. It's a part of the process. It's a part of love. We grieve. David was a man after God's own heart. We see his grief. Verse 19, he says, Your glory, your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. Now this lament introduces us to the glory of Israel. And the glory is gone, says the lamentation. And not just gone, but dead. How the mighty have fallen. Glory dead and the mighty have fallen. It's desecration. Glory no longer is great. Glory is now spoiled. Might is no longer high. It's made low. Things are not as they should be. He says, tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. David commands the enemy. He commands the enemy to not report or rejoice over this tragedy. And he has no power here. He has no command here. Yes, the Philistine News Network, PNN, is going to publish this on the nightly news. This is just the grief of a broken heart. How dare they? And he couldn't bear to think that anyone would rejoice over his pain, especially the uncircumcised, especially those who are devoted to destruction. How dare the defiled rejoice in the defilement of Israel's glory. And not only his enemy, he commands nature. 21, you mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offering. He commands it not to rain. He doesn't have power here but it's the sadness of his heart. He doesn't want life to continue where the glory of Israel died. He couldn't bear think that life would continue where death took Israel's glory and might. He says, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. The practice of anointing the shield, I read and learned that in ancient combat, you would anoint your shield with oil so that the arrows would just glide off of it. But now it's no longer anointed with oil. It's anointed with the death, dirt of war. It's anointed with the blood of war, anointed with death, anointed by God. Now Saul has been discarded, defiled, dead. Death is defilement. Sin has poisoned creation with death. And his heart cries out. Because death is our enemy, dear friend. That's why we mourn death. We hate it. Death is unnatural. It's not to be this way. Death has spoiled God's good creation. We mourn with hate. We hate death. We weren't made to die. We were made to live. We were made to live with God in eternal blessedness to his praise and glory. But death is a result of sin. So we must hate sin, mourn with hate, hate sin, mourn with grief, mourn with repentance. Mourn with faith. We find in the misery our deliverer. 
In the afflictions of sorrow, we have no other help except from God. David wrote Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Carry your misery to God. And when he delivers, be ready to carry others in the name of love and by that same grace and love. Mourn with those who mourn. The Bible says weep with those who weep. We must carry our burdens to heaven. We must carry one another's. How shall we mourn? We must mourn with the mournful. When you mourn, don't mourn alone. Don't mourn alone. Seek the church. Seek your fellow brothers and sisters. We know the pain. We know the misery. We need to be there with each other in the sorrow. And we need to be there with each other in the sorrow more than any other time in the Christian life. More than any other time, we must be there in the pain. In sorrow, we must pursue our brothers and our sisters. You want some good application? You might not know Gail. Gail's a a sister in this church. She's a a Lutheran that's been coming to our church, but she kind of went on vacation for a few several months. Well, her brother just died last week. Her brother died last week. She broke her collarbone, and she's facing, and she now has uh, vertigo. So she's kind of shuddered and lonely. I visited her. I've been calling her, but she needs love. She needs to know she's cared for, being prayed for. There's application. If you want, I can give you her number after church. 22, verse 22. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. David expresses here that Jonathan with his bow was victorious. Saul with the sword victorious. They protected Israel. They destroyed the enemy. Verse 23, Saul and Jonathan, lovely, beloved and lovely, in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. They were accustomed to victory. They were an informidable duo. And their victory belonged to Israel. Verse 24, you daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet. He was victorious for Israel, clothing them in ornaments of gold. Together, Saul and Jonathan provided. They provided well for the people of God. And the lament here turns to joy as he remembers the life of these two, the two that he loved. And as he reflects, he realizes they were worthy of love. They were worthy of love. And the greater we love, the greater the grief. Verse 25, how the mighty have fallen. And this phrase brings us back and reminds us that those whom we love, those whom David loved, worthy of love, are lost. And the greater the love, the greater the grief in the midst of battle. And then David turns his attention to the one he loved the most. You see, he commanded the daughters of Israel. Verse 24, he commands the daughters of Israel to weep over Saul, but then he turns alone, and he alone mourns for his brother. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary. Surpassing, surpa- surpassing the love 
of a woman. Now, many in our culture in our day and age want to pollute this text. This is not homosexuality. This is not sensuality. This is not sexuality. This is fidelity. No one was more faithful than Jonathan. You see, Jonathan actually gave up his right and his position to David, and no one ever does that. Nowhere in history has a prince given his position to a servant. Nowhere in history has someone in such a high place served someone in such a low place, especially to his rival. No one's ever gave up a throne to a rival. History is marked with people fighting for thrones. Yet in Jonathan's eyes, he was second to David, and he did everything he could to protect David. He was faithful to David, protecting David. His aim was to make David king. You see, David loved Jonathan because he first loved him. Faithful. And the greater we love, the greater our grief. And we learn here that we mourn with remembrance. We remember the life we lost, and we hold on to the memories, and so grief abides. There's an anniversary, and we all have anniversaries of loved ones lost. There are dates we lost our little ones. There are dates we lost our parents, our friends, and as the clock continues to click, Hour by hour, day by day, the morning will never end. Verse 27, how the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. And the lament ends hopeless. The lament ends hopeless without the mighty helpless without the weapons of war, and so sorrow abides. It is a sad world. But it's temporary. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Mourn with hope. Eternal joy is coming. For the mighty was defiled. Jesus Christ was anointed by God to be the Savior of the world, and Jesus Christ loved greater. Jesus mourned with the church. He mourned. Jesus wept. Jesus Christ's life was a lament. Anointed by God, he was anointed with death. A man of sorrows, covered in shame, our shame, discarded and killed. The mighty had fallen with the greatest words of grief ever recorded. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Discarded by God, the holy defiled. That he might wipe away all our sins. To wipe away every tear that death shall be no more. No more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For in Christ the former things have passed away. You see, in the sorrow of the cross, we have joy. 
In the death of the cross, we have life. And in the resurrection, we have love extraordinary, a love greater than our sins, a faithfulness to the end, a love of which we will never be separated. So mourn in Christ. Mourn in Christ, for he is our only comfort, body and soul, in life and in death, and he has delivered us from the tyranny of sorrow. Sin has poisoned creation through the law, but the gospel has swallowed up death and victory through the resurrection. Mourn with confidence. Mourn with confidence for Larry, our brother. God has given him victory. And all of our loved ones who have died in the Lord, in Christ, the victory is there through the Lord and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty. Behold, all things are new. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.